White Chicks in China podcast, where a British and an American girl satisfy all your curiosity and questions about what it's like to live in China today. And now your hosts, Holly and Nora. Hi! Welcome back to Two White Chicks in China. Yeah, this is episode twenty-six. Holy cow! I know, crazy. It is. It is. So、uh, we've had some comments.、Uh, so this one comes. This、uh, I actually hadn't seen this one until today.、Uh, do you remember a couple of weeks ago we did a shout out to Calvin? Yeah. In,、uh, I think he's in California. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he says thanks for the、uh, thanks for the shout out last time. I was listening to your etiquette podcast in the gym. I think he's always in the gym. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say last time you said he was in the gym,、mm-hmm. <laughs> and heard the Australian teacher mention he got gifts from students. If the if you guys don't know already, I can give a little insight on this. I have friends and clients in China where even if the student is at a good private or international school, the teachers actually expect gifts and will treat the students according to the gifts or money they receive from the parents. One of my friends. Children came home one day and asked why the teacher was so happy and loving in the past, and suddenly changed overnight because the parents had forgotten to give a gift.、Oh. Hope all is well.、Oh. And that's from Calvin. Calvin Lee. Oh、uh, man! Well, crazy. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, having been a teacher, I, I can understand that. I mean, there are teachers that feel that way. Can't I don't think I did personally, but、um, yeah, I guess I think it's down to the per- kind of like the person as well. If you get used to something, then you do. I suppose you do expect it, but it seems I, to be really、know. wrong. <laughs> yeah, of course. I know. I know some of the like the Chinese teachers that I worked with were like that. Really, they would work out the value of the gift they got,、mm-hmm. and that would like if the gift was like really cheap, then they would judge the parents.、Mm-hmm. Quite, they would say. Not be nasty, but like, oh, like, why they're so stingy? Like, they're, they're made of money, and this is all they give us. So you know, sometimes like we would get like Dior lipstick and things like that. That's not a cheap. It's it's small, but it's not cheap.、Mm-hmm. Anyway, well, <laughs> so thanks for your comment, Calvin. I think it probably works similarly at the hospitals too, because I've heard at the hospitals they also、right. give gifts、mm-hmm. in order to get special treatment. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Actually,、uh, my Chinese teacher, her sister was very severely ill recently. While、well, she she was in hospital for like three months, she was all over the place. She went to Guangzhou.、Uh, first, she was in Baoan, then Luohu, then Guangzhou, and the the things that they had to do was just unbelievable. Like Hong Bao's to all the doctors and gifts, like cigarettes and wine. But we. Like to the main doctor, the doctor who would do the surgery, they didn't give a hongbao. She said, "Oh, like because he's too well known and too famous to do that. Like he wouldn't accept anything." But she said, "We we still gave him cigarettes and obviously some good wine and stuff." We were like, "But that's still a gift." She was like, "Oh no, that's different." <laughs> so I guess money and gifts are different somehow. I don't know why. If anyone knows, please let us know. <laughs> I don't know. That's definitely part of the. Mm. I have a little insight of having spent quite a bit of time in Eastern Europe as well, and I think part of it is when you go from a, you take a communist country.、Mm. See, we're judging it by capitalist standards.、Sure. 
But when you have a communist country and when everybody's salary is the same, so this gift giving is just, it's necessary. I yeah. mean, it, it makes more sense when you think of it that way. If, if the guy is earning absolutely nothing and part of his, I mean, I guess it's like working for tips in the U.S. in mm -hmm. a sense. If you're, if you, if you know somebody is a good tipper, you tend to give them better service, right? If you know someone's a good tipper, I don't know. I mean, I've never been worked in that kind of culture, but I mean, I understand that and it makes a lot of sense, but you should all, I think, re, like it kind of, I feel like it should work the other way around that you should like give good service anyway, like, and then get the tip, not mm -hmm. the other way around, not. Mm -hmm. Well, typically it does work then, like that, yeah, but to think uh, yeah, of it of in that perspective definitely I guess it's like helps. a circle. Yeah, because if you know consistently that you have a, a patron who comes in who you know gives good tips, mm. then you you will work you will work extra hard. Yeah. I mean, even it, but actually, having worked in retail, not I never got tips or anything. If a person, if a customer was nice and like always spoke to you and was like chatty you would always be much nicer with that person than someone you knew would come back and complain all the time I yeah mean, it's just normal isn't it yeah, yeah. it makes it makes sense mm -hmm. well, that's interesting i'm glad he explained mm -hmm. i didn't realize it was so blatant no like, me neither to be honest i didn't even know that either. yeah well because some of the schools um that friends work at they're actually told like you do not accept gifts from parents mm -hmm. of course every, it's not I, I think the rule is actually you're not meant to at all but obviously oh, it's, it's on the sly to, it's always on yeah. the sly but some one of the big international schools here say like if you accept a gift like you'll get sacked oh so i guess That's good. So they're the trying parents to do establish. it in a, yeah yeah I think the parents do it in a different way, though. They might take you out for dinner and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. That's their gift-giving way, I think. Mm -hmm. It's funny what they think. Well, I don't know. I guess they give gifts according to what Chinese people like. Mm -hmm. But I'm sure you can understand this, Holly, when, when uh, they spend ridiculous amounts of money on something that you would definitely not want. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, a Fabergé egg to store your toothpaste. Yes. Yes. We got one of those too. Oh, do you? Oh, yeah. We're like push the top and then the toothpicks <laughs> yeah. pop out. Yeah, but the, the thing is that Barrett really wants to use it, so it's there. It's, we're using it. Oh, man. Ours is... I'm I trying to push is, it to the back of the shelf, yeah, but Yeah, ours gets is hidden. Out. It's so ugly. <laughs> so just like ornate and obnoxious and it holds it holds toothpicks you press the top and it pops out and they kind of splay out around yeah. like, it's really funny i think we've gotten we've gotten some other things too um some highly decorative um in china when they serve you fruit a lot of times it'll be in bite-sized pieces and then they'll give you um, toothpicks or like mm. some kind of thing to stab it with. Yeah. So we received uh, it's just this like massive box, very very decorative box of silver toothpicks. Like oh that. wow, wow! And you would think, oh, it's cool, but actually they're so impractical. And on the end, <laughs> they're from Singapore and they look very expensive. Yeah. But on the end, there's like this big bulb of like 
it, I, I don't, each one is different, but it's mm -hmm. so gaudy that it's, I don't dare put them out. So they're just like stashed in a, oh. a cabinet. Maybe you can <laughs> re-gift them. Yeah, that's actually common. Yeah, I don't, I don't really do that. I mean, personally, I don't really do that very often, but I guess that might be an opportunity. Right <laughs> Who would I give them to? I go? don't know, I don't know. But we get, you know, a lot of stuff that we don't, we can't, as foreigners, we can't really appreciate it. So mooncakes, mm. we're overrun with mooncakes during mid-autumn festival, and it's an acquired taste. Yeah. A lot of them are, so they're sweet cake, and a lot of them are stuffed with meats yeah. or like an actual egg yolk. It's like a bit of, like, it's like a pie, isn't it? But mm -hmm. not a nice pie. It's like for those from the UK listening like a pork pie but mm -hmm. the inside is not very pleasant it's usually very dense and yes. either overly sweet or not sweet at all I don't know it's not for the foreigners palate it just doesn't seem to hit the sweet spot mm. I really don't know anybody who loves mooncakes I know people who tolerate them and I myself have eaten my fair share of mooncakes yeah. And also the Chinese people go crazy for those ice mooncakes. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, oh, They're the so ones good. I, if, if I was going to, if I had the choice of mooncake, I would go for those ones. Yeah, but there's still, this, the Chinese people say, oh, it's just like ice cream. Yeah, I don't, that's, that's a lot of rubbish. I don't understand that. Yeah, it tastes <laughs> like um, chalk with a few, <laughs> yeah, with chalk. a few it like, and it's like the consistency of chalk with like a few little mm. balls of, some something in it, either chocolate or something mm. else. And then the outside is like uncooked dough. Yeah. That's how they taste. But almost like see-through. Yeah. The dough is very like, it's not, I don't know. So it's not really solid. There's something odd about it. Yeah, like, there's something I, odd I about know. it. And they eat them, they put them in the freezer. I, I don't get this whole thing. People go crazy oh, for these. Oh, they put them in the freezer? I don't know. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, they say, oh, you have to have them in the freezer and you can't <laughs> them in the fridge, leave but... them out for, you know, uh, so when, I mean, they spend so much money, they, they come in their own, like, thermal bags. Yes. So they give them to you in these, like, large special, thermal bags. Uh, yeah, yeah. special silver things. Mm -hmm. yeah. And you're supposed to immediately put them in the freezer. And they're, I, a lot of Chinese people I know just go nuts for these mm. things. And yeah, I don't get true. it. I don't get I it. I suppose it's like, us at Easter? And at Christmas, like three months before either, I mean, New Year's over and then they're already, they've already got Easter eggs in the supermarkets. Mm -hmm. I guess it's the equivalent, really. Yeah. In a way. Mm -hmm. I often wonder how much of it is, it's, how much of it is something that they're used to, like flavors that they're used to, and how much of it is like objectively good. Mm. I wonder if we lined up 10 kids from various parts of the world, and we gave them different sweets if they would actually go, like, which ones they would go for. Right. Like, young kids. Yeah. Who are maybe, yeah, from, yeah, from various parts. I'm curious to know, because is it, like, is it that my <laughs> taste buds are just so, so different? Yeah, right. Like, yeah. so many of their snacks here, it just does nothing for me. No. And they're so extravagant, you know, they they're these handcrafted very expensive snacks but they taste i don't know mm. like styrofoam sometimes 
Yeah. Remember that salty sesame styrofoam oh, thing that, that we was had odd. the other day? It was odd. So strange. I just couldn't get my head around it. What was I meant to be eating? Yeah. And I it, think that was what the confusing thing was. <laughs> yeah. Like, it looked um, like something sweet and then it turned out to be something salty, but most of it didn't taste like anything. anything and it had like yeah. patches of saltiness. And it was supposed to be like one of, I forget which province it was from. Yeah, they did tell us. Yeah. I forget. But it was supposed to be that province's like specialty snack. Yeah. And the our co-workers just gobbled it yeah, up. Like, oh, oh, yeah, let's try. <laughs> yeah. But I didn't get it. Plus, it made a mess. I know. That's what I was going to say. It's not very, like, I mean, you, you just can't eat it, it without just getting like it everywhere. crumbs everywhere. But anyway, <laughs> I'm sure that we have a lot of snacks, too, that the Chinese people can't understand. But living here. Yeah, but hearing, meat candy is just too far. Yeah, meat candy is quite a bit. I don't. Yeah. Well, I guess it's daring culinarily. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm, I prefer uh, peanuts. Uh, no, a Reese's peanut cup. Is that what they call it? Yeah, yeah. Reese's peanut butter mm, cup. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't realize until I left the U.S. that it's really only Americans who do chocolate and peanut butter. I mean, it it seems to come from mm. the U.S. Yeah, yeah. This whole like, because I mean, we have so many products that are chocolate and peanut butter, and I haven't really seen that. I've seen chocolate and other combinations, but peanut butter, no. It's a good. It's a good combo. Oh yeah. Have you had those Reese's peanut butter puffs? It's a cereal. No, but it's like a Reese's peanut butter cup for breakfast. I <laughs> saw last week. I was doing an order on No Go Go. No Go Go is like this uh, website where you can order like foreign uh, imported goods, and it's cash and delivery. It's really great. Oh yeah, and all the websites in English. It's brilliant. Yeah. So you can. I mean, they have like so many great products. That you can't get elsewhere. So I was sat or making an order, and I turned to Barrett and my boyfriend and said, "Like, is there anything you want to order?" And I, he was like, he sat there and thought. He was like, "What would you call them? Reese's peanut puffs?" Yeah. And he asked me for those, uh, and I oh. just looked at him. I was like, "Are you serious? Like, <laughs> they make them? It just sounds like it's um, like something candy he made up. Yeah, candy bar and cereal. So I bought him a box. Oh, uh, he hasn't tried. Girlfriend. He hasn't opened them yet. But I just want to see. Oh, so you I'm, have them? I'm not. He's. He can't. I mean, I'm worried that if he has them on the weekend, he's going to be bouncing off the walls. So it needs <laughs> to be before work. I think. <laughs> I'm, I mean, God, that that stuff must make you go crazy. It's it's not just all the cereals. Like that's the standard <laughs> breakfast for Americans, especially kids. You know, I'm from a household. We had four kids in our household, so. We just always had a bunch of different kinds of cereal, yeah. and everybody found their own breakfast. We never had hot cereal, like hot uh, food before yeah, school. And they're, I guess they're fortified with all these vitamins and minerals, but come on. It's just like basically eating a candy bar and then mm-hmm. popping a multivitamin. <laughs> it's the same thing. It's the same thing. I finally, like, I actually love cereal, but I've kind of broken myself out of that habit. Because I always feel hungry, like, an hour and a half later. And I can eat, I can sit and eat, like, three or four bowls. I used to read every single side of the cereal box. (laughs) (laughs) The only only thing I would eat, like, because it was the only thing that would fill me was Weetabix. I don't know if Mm. you have Weetabix. I guess, like, shredded wheat. um, Is it in the hexagon? No, it's it, it's it looks disgusting. Oh, actually, it's like a like a big like tablet shape, like about this big. Mm-hmm. Like, I know no one can see, but no, I can. 
uh, and this deep. Okay. And you put like, I guess you could have two or three in a bowl and you add milk and then it kind of turns into this stodge. It's like the kind of thing you could stick something on the wall with. It's just like shredded wheat. Yeah, I guess. I guess. Yeah, we have shredded wheat too, but it's somewhat different. I can't tell you why it's different. It just is a bit. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then you do that thing where it's like, You've got a little bit of milk left in the bowl, so then you put more cereal in the bowl, um, and then there's too much cereal, so then you add more milk. <laughs> I, I'm a toast person over yeah. cereal, for sure, yeah. But I could also eat, like, six slices of toast. Mm. Anyway, I yeah, we got we, that we've topic. Gone, we've but gone. breakfast foods in China are really different, actually. But I think we should save that for another time. We've talked mm, a little bit about did. breakfast foods in China. They're very different. I mean, they eat noodles breakfast yeah they're pretty like good that. actually though i think i mean I've, I've always liked breakfast breakfast is like one of my favorite meals of the day mm. <laughs> and even i think chinese breakfast is pretty good yeah it is pretty you can good. find some interest in it's very things. soothing on the stomach mm. it's usually very easy to eat yeah true nice so do we have any other comments um no but i believe you do oh right <laughs> so we have a super user on our two white chicks in china yeah, our two white chicks facebook page Kenneth, who we've really appreciated his feedback and comments yeah. on our site. So he thank he you. actually asked us a question last week, if those of you were listening to episode 25. Mm-hmm. He asked us about uh, using mobile phones in China from the USA and also about churches. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, he, I think he's preparing. seems like he's preparing to come here. I think so. So yeah. that's cool. So anyway, um, since we did that uh, episode on Chinese etiquette, that was 25, right? Yeah. So he made a comment about Chinese etiquette. It's a long, it's a bit of a long comment, but I I thought it was really interesting and and a good perspective. He reposted it from another Facebook page, but I believe it's written by either, I think it's, it's from a Hong Kong person writing it. So it says... So, okay, I don't know how much, how many of you have actually heard our episode 25, but we talked about etiquette in China, what's rude, what's 24. not rude. 24. 24, yeah. Oh, okay. sorry, yeah. We had our teaching episode last week. Sorry, I was, oh, that's I was right. also, I also forgotten. Sorry. That's right. Okay. So, it, yeah, it seems like it was a lot <laughs> I know. But, um, yeah, so we talked about different uh, etiquette for people, like, in China versus in the West, and also we picked apart some of the things that um, Western people find are not necessarily polite that Chinese people do. So this comment kind of explains some of those things, so I will read it, and um, you can hear what a Hong Kong person thinks about that. So it says, here's some commentary from a Hong Kong perspective about Chinese etiquette. Here's a disclaimer. I do neither support nor oppose this info, but just sharing someone's per- perspective. Okay. I'm from Hong Kong, and this is most Hong Kongers' explanation of why China's tourists has such poor reputation. I will try to give my list of somewhat history and concise summary of what happened to China since the 1920s and how it made China's tourists receive such terrible reputation. So here's point number one. During the Chinese Cultural Revolution that began in 1966, Chairman Mao called for a mass revolution of not only culture and tradition, but also morals and principles. Intellectuals were put in reforming prisons, 
Books were burned, especially Lao Tzu and Confucius. Children were encouraged and sometimes forced to report their own parents who disagreed with the government, who were intellectuals, who were hiding wealth from the government. Which is funny because I'm reading 1984 again, and sounds like it's echoing very similar principles. Mao also standardized all salary, resulting in nationwide unwillingness to work and compete because there's no reason and motivation to compete anymore. In my opinion, every single thing that Mao did destroyed China's thousands of years of tradition, culture, history, and values. That's an interesting point. Mm. Number two, since the glorious revolution, China suffered immense poverty due to rationing, lack of innovation, and lack of a competitive market. Mao encouraged people to grow farms and foods, and then in return, took away the food and rationed it. During the revolution, there were num- numerous droughts and famine, and an estimated 30 million more or more died. People were eating bark from trees, grass, dirt, and sawdust to fill their stomachs. Number three, when you grow up in such an impoverished environment, you become very selfish and disregard other people's values and perspectives of you. But the problem is, it wasn't just one generation of children growing up during the revolution and famine, it was two or three generations living under it. This caused all principles to be abandoned. Parents teach their children how to survive. When you when you have to survive, you don't care about anyone. Which I think is a really interesting mm-hmm. thing to keep in mind when judging <laughs> judging yeah, people. For sure. Number point number four. After Mao's death and the advent of Deng Xiaoping, things changed. Deng opened up China's market, allowed some more freedom, allowed political and reforming prisoners to leave, and encouraged intellectuals to study. Many historians and Hong Kongers regard Chairman Deng as the most important changing force that led to China to raise, led to China raise, I think it's a non-native speaker, so some of this is a little bit awkward, (laughs) led to China's raise to superpower during the 21st century as he led China's economic reform. During Deng's era, China saw large growth in economics and production. Point number five. After Deng, China's economics sped forward like a stallion. (laughs) Though still communism, each chairman continued to reform China's infrastructure, economic ties, and technical advancement. Most would say that this is currently China's economic golden age. People became wealthy really quickly. There were many investments into textiles, metal, and technology. But such a rapid economic and industrial growth has a downside. The government and regulations couldn't keep up. Hence, all the polluted rivers and air and pesticide, herbicide, toxic heavy metal poisoning. These things are all side effects of rapid growth. In addition, without ethics and principles, many factories begin to cheat people out of money by creating fake baby powder and fake eggs. You heard of fake eggs before? Yeah, I have. I never heard of that. Very recently, yeah. Wow. Many food, I guess, a lot of food in China are is fake and is toxic but can be produced at a cheap price that is also a side effect of growth corruption point number six with all these uh, with all this economic growth the poor became rich really quickly not just rich but wealthy in all caps (laughs) what happens when you have a massive amount of people with nothing no culture little morals and ethics and suddenly they have unlimited amounts of money 
They splurge and hoard daily necessities because they have their mentality of survival. However, they don't they haven't realized the whole environment has changed. They've done everything on impulse to survive or simply because they never had such a luxury. So they binge drink, binge eat, buy out all the expensive liquor. Honestly, it's human instinct. If you never had anything and suddenly you can have everything, yeah, most people would go, just go and try and buy all sorts of luxury items. Makes a lot of sense. Mm, this that that section, especially coming from a like Hong Kong mm-hmm. person, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, we've talked in a few episodes about how Ch- mainland Chinese come over to Hong Kong and purchase a lot of products, which mm. drives up the prices for the local Hong Kongers. And so there's been a little bit. Uh, it's much better now. It's changed a bit. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but there's been a little bit of um, tension between those two groups. So number seven, this leads to my explanation why so many people do not like Chinese tourists. Because of mainland China's sudden boom of economic wealth, they began to travel to places like France, Hong Kong, and enjoy luxuries there. But a main problem is they are never taught proper etiquette of being wealthy. Unlike poor areas of China, other countries that were well-developed have civil codes, culture, etiquette, which Mao had erased for most Chinese. So when mainland Chinese travel to act like foreigners and just try and buy expensive things, they don't understand its underlying history, culture, and meaning. Point number eight out of ten. We're almost done. (laughs) The massive influx of Chinese new blue bloods also caused massive fluctuations in local markets. Mainland Chinese started hoarding and buying out luxuries such as vintage wine, dried abalone, albalone, 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 shark fin, etc. Sometimes they even buy out baby powder and food because China's food is heavily polluted. This causes massive changes in local economies worldwide. Suddenly there is huge demand with no supply. What originally should be 80 Hong Kong dollars becomes 180 Hong Kong dollars, which should be a luxury like dried abalone shark or shark fin that middle class can enjoy once or twice a year for 5,000 or 10,000 Hong Kong dollars becomes 10,000 or 28,000 Hong Kong dollars. It's a huge markup. You see what is happening. The residual effects of Mao's revolution can be seen today because people were not educated about ethics, principles, and respect for others. This is reflected on mainland Chinese behaviors and reflected upon China's reputation across the world. Now, number nine. This is some of the most inherent societal problems that resulted in China's infamous tourism reputation, but it can all be changed with time and education. Here's the last point. Keep in mind, I only stated some factors that contributed to China's poor reputation, and some of these factors are from my own opinions and speculations through reading and observation. There are many other factors. It may seem that I am critical on mainland Chinese, but because I am at times ashamed to call myself Chinese, as I would have to associate myself with such reputation, which is another reason why most people from Hong Kong call themselves Hong Kongers and not Chinese. Mm. So it's it's really... um, it's very interesting to hear that from a Hong Kong person's perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Who is ethnically Chinese, but doesn't necessarily identify with the people who are uh, born, who have been, uh, who are born and live in mainland China. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think I need to take some time to. And I've, I've 
already read that, but listening again has kind of got me my, my mind going. So if any of you out there have any thoughts on mm-hmm. those 10 points, we'd, we'd really like to, to hear from you. Yeah, I Please. feel like too, whenever, I, I've read it a couple times now, and pardon the <laughs> the flow of the reading is not so good because the, the grammar is a little bit messed up, but that's all right. But um, I think it has a lot of great points in it, and every time mm-hmm. I read it, it kind of, makes it really makes me think and it's it's hard it's hard for us I mean I don't think it's wrong for for people to make judgments about other people um I mean I don't think judgment of all kinds should be should be outlawed because that's how humans view the world. You you want you need to put things in categories, and I'm not talking about being overly critical, but if you see it, if you notice a pattern, then you make certain assumptions. So if you see the same pattern over and over again, you make certain assumptions. So I don't necessarily think that that kind of judgment is bad, but I think it's very important to dig deeper than what you just see at the surface. Yes, yeah, of course, and to always. I don't know. I, I personally have my opinions, but I, I like to think that I always leave room for those opinions to to morph and yeah. change, especially when you're living in a culture that's not your own. You can't, you know, you can't make judgments and then say, this is final. Like, yeah, this is what I think. Not. So I don't think it's wrong to make judgments, period. But I think it's wrong to just close the door, you know, like make up your mind on something and then not continue learning like I'm still I'm here for six years and I'm still learning like this a lot of this in here was I know some of it but a lot of it was new information and new perspective Mm. yeah and it's interesting I mean on its own just to hear all that from someone from Hong Kong is I mean I've never heard anyone really say say those things Mm -hmm. so explicitly and honestly so it's it's definitely always wondering you know what are they thinking what are they actually yeah right Mm mm-hmm Cool. Well, so, so <laughs> let's let's move on to our. This is actually a fact of the week. Sometimes my facts are not really facts, <laughs> just pieces of strange news. So um, there's been a, a recent um, I don't know article like a, a an article release. I guess I can't think of how how to explain it. And it says that um, a third of the Great Wall has disappeared. One third of the Great Wall. Oh. So the the wall they they began to build the wall in a, th- a third uh, one third century BC. One third. Yeah, that's how I've written it, but that doesn't make any sense to me now. yeah i don't know why i've written it like that what does that even mean one third maybe they built one third oh well that doesn't help me anyway does it so (laughs) when they began to so there should be four thousand meters of the wall and they reckon now that 1200 meters and i've written milliliters (laughs) <laughs> What's wrong with me? I know that it's meters. I'm sorry. Uh, 1,200 meters ha- has now gone from the wall. So you mean from the ends of it or? Everywhere, yeah. I guess just like pieces are missing of it, like in the middle? So, so I think <laughs> predominantly, yes, on the edges. 
because um like people are taking it right a mixture of things so the two main points are i mean it's, it's not milliliters of yeah wall? <laughs> right exactly 1200 meters seriously yeah. so of course the i mean one of the obvious ones is 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 nature like natural erosion has you know gotten rid of some of the wall but uh a big proportion of it has gone because of humans um, so there are certain um, areas of the wall that has w- were taken for housing. People would remove the blocks to make housing. Oh. Yeah, uh, still do apparently. Um, and also, uh, people would sell the sell pieces of the wall. They were apparently they would like uh, like inscribe like a Chinese character and sell it for like thirty RMB to tourists. Mm. So what's that like for for? five dollars or something uh so that's how that's how it's gone allegedly and in 2006 uh china uh created the great wall protection code but apparently it hasn't really done much good oh no so yeah do they know where it stops and where it ends how do you mean the the wall yeah the wall uh no i'm not sure i didn't i don't have I'm just wondering if, you know, they have, like, a marker that said it stops here and then it's just, like, slowly oh, getting farther and farther yeah. away from... Well from, well, from what I've seen, I mean, there's so much of the wall, it's, like, it's just, it goes through people's land and it's, like, there are just bits of it left. You know, it's not, they haven't spent any money or time to kind of keep it repaired. Mm-hmm. So I, I imagine that it's kind of hard for them to, to actually do that. Mm-hmm. They should, though. They must have, I guess, if they know that 1,200 me- milliliters have gone. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, yeah. Oh. That's a lot. <laughs> it is really a lot, actually, it's isn't lot. it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if I can actually give you a proper date, of course, it's BC sometime, but if I can give you find a proper date that's not one-third <laughs> of something. Maybe then, 113. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. But I don't know why I would... I don't know. I'm Just sorry. put it in the show I'm notes. sorry. I will. I'll do that. It'll be in the show notes. All right. So, <laughs> uh, so let's get let's move on to our question. So oh. our question comes from Mike. We're, there's plenty of mics on this show. <laughs> Mike Burnville, and he's got a Z in his name, which is interesting. Oh, that, I guess he could be a Zach or something. Mike like Z. Yeah, Burnville. Burnville. Yeah. Uh, and he's from Pennsylvania. Oh. Yeah. And he said. Uh, Holly and Nora, I love your podcast, oh. exclamation mark. Oh. I'm trying to learn Chinese, very good, uh, and I'm very curious about China. I'm what you might call a country boy, and I read somewhere that fishing with a rod and a reel was invented in China centuries ago. I was wondering um, about people in China, uh, whether people in China today enjoy outdoor activities such as hunting, fishing, bird watching, camping, or hiking. Also, if I were to visit China, are there any tours or photo safari type activities where I could see native wildlife in the wild <laughs> as opposed to a zoo? Thanks and keep up the good work. Oh, mm, nice. Affirmation. Thank you. <laughs> That's a fun question. Yes, it is. So, um, I think that. Nora's gone, Nora's gone, she's gone. (laughs) I have a point about fishing rods, so I looked this up, about the invention of the fishing rod. Uh, And uh, there are are no, it's not certain that it was invented in China. 
because uh, I have written a date down, 2000 BC. Fishing rods have been found in China, Egypt, Greece, Trinidad and Tobago, Rome, and medieval England. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah. It seems like a, you know, something that could have been discovered, you know, in separate locations. I think so. Just made from different materials. Yeah. yeah. But fishing, it's interesting. When Holly and I go to the park to eat our lunch, as we do from time to time, there's a little man-made lake mm. in the park, and there are always people fishing there. Yeah, definitely. They catch the fish, they throw <laughs> them back, they catch them again, yeah. they throw them back. They don't really take it very seriously, I don't think. No. I guess it's just for Sport. fun, but not really. I don't see any pleasure there, really. They just sit and smoke. Do you think they're having fun? fun? Yes. I think think fishing is a certain kind of fun. They don't look like they're having fun. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Sitting there. They just sit there. But I don't get fishing in general, so... I mean, fly fishing, okay, I see that. Yes. But uh, just plopping your... (laughs) You know? You're just sticking a worm on there Mm -hmm. and plopping it in there and waiting. Uh, I'd rather just drink at the dock. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) so yeah i mean i think fishing must be i mean it seems to be something that the men i've never seen a woman fish (laughs) yeah uh but uh also sea sea fishing i'm not sure about that either i've seen people i've seen people along the bay okay doing like doing fishing but again Mm -hmm. it also seems to be for sport yeah. I mean, when you're near an urban area, you definitely don't want to be consuming any of the oh, no. fish. Uh, there are probably tour groups that go out farther where you can fish. Yeah. Um, but I'm not really familiar with that arena. But, yeah, there's 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 plenty of places where you can fish. Yeah. A lot of it is in these man-made, man-made lakes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, a lot of it. Most of it is in these man-made, or like rivers yeah. that go through cities. Mm. So, and I think the population of the, there's not a whole, I think, I think they just dump in fish. Like they have these fish farms and then yeah. they just dump in fish into the parks for mm. people, for the purpose that people can fish and enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. So hunting. Hunting. Do you know anything about hunting? I don't. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I'm just putting out that I don't. Um, well, in 1949, hunting was banned. Right. But um, hmm. like most rules in China, they are not black and white. Mm. Wow. So... It's tricky because in Chinese medicine, a lot of the times, the rarer the plant, oh, they get, okay, so I don't know if you know much about Chinese medicine, which I believe we'll be talking about in an upcoming episode, which will be a really interesting Mm -hmm. topic. But generally speaking, the idea is to cure your body. Um, It's a holistic approach by using herbs and food, like food. There's a whole principle, people in China... Um, believe that every food affects your chi in a certain mm. way. So there's like hot foods and cold foods. And you'd be surprised which foods are considered hot. Which yeah. A lot of fruits are considered hot. Ma- mango? I don't know about mango, but lychee. They always say lychee is a very hot fruit. Oh, is yeah. Yeah, I've so heard like, that too. I don't eat those. Okay. 
Yeah, I love the, I love like I've eaten <laughs> bags and bags and bags of lychees until like I'm sick to my stomach and I've never had a problem. I think everyone does that though, don't they? Because like right now it's lychee season. Yeah, it's and like everyone a short just goes season. nuts. Like you see, like everyone, like every street corner, someone is selling lychee, mm-hmm. and it's like three weeks. It's insane. They're selling all this lychee, and then it's gone. But um. So anyways, so they also use food to balance out their chi, not just herbs. And um, a lot of the principles are that the rarer the plant or the rarer the animal, the more nutrient value mm. it has. It kind of makes sense. Yeah, I can understand it. Um, and so you have this phenomenon where people want to hunt and eat endangered species. So my husband was at uh, one of his Chinese friends' house, mm. and they offered him eagle. They said, wow. would you like eagle for dinner? And he was like, I'm not going to eat an eagle. So the, you can see wow. it's like this is their, they're a very, very wealthy family, and for them it's like this delicacy. So they huh. want to eat. They want to eat the really, really exotic animals. So for that reason, and also because China is so densely populated, there aren't a whole lot of truly wild areas. Mm, Yeah. So safari? (laughs) I don't think so. They do have safari parks. So they have... They do have a couple safari parks which have animals that are native of this environment. And they are not in cages. Yeah. But obviously they're caged in. Somewhat. Yeah, somewhat in the whole park. Mm, I found... So I I wasn't sure whether you could do any kind of wildlife trek type things. Um, And I'm not sure I get really how wild they get mm-hmm. but i did found, find one site actually I, I'll, I'll put the link on the the notes the show notes because it seemed quite interesting actually there were lots of different tours and things um and they were like uh so actually let me start off by saying that apparently there are over 100 species of animals that are only found in china hmm. hundred yeah it doesn't seem like a whole lot no it's um, a big continent <clears throat> yeah i think a lot of because of such mass starvation, I think probably a lot of species got knocked out. I think so too. So uh, one of them is the giant panda, mm. the, the golden head monkey, and the South China tiger. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, I came across some of, some of these like tours. There's like a wild panda tour. I don't know. How, I mean, yeah. you're there. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not really sure how these things work. There's also a bird tour. One of the one of the things was about bird watching. So there is like a bird watching kind mm. of tour. Um, there there was this one seemed more like more wild because it's in Tibet. Mm-hmm. So I would assume that there oh, yeah, there are gonna I would be think more... in Western China, Shh, yeah. there's probably gonna be more stuff. Mm. And also a wildlife photography tour, which I guess is kind of what Mike was asking. Uh, this is in uh, Yunnan province. It was in uh, like in like the mountains and stuff like that. Mm. It sounded quite interesting actually. Okay. But I didn't have time, like, because there was just so much information, and lots about like the 
uh, different species of plants and animals. So I'll put the the link for that site mm-hmm. on the show notes because it was seemed pretty good. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, bird watching here in Shenzhen near where I live. There's um because I live very close to the sea, so there's a little bay, um, and there's a peninsula that kind of juts out. And I guess it's really popular for for egrets to come. Mm. So at night, there you can see a lot of people lined up with binoculars. Okay, photography has become this massive oh, yeah, phenomenon. In China. Everyone's got a camera. Everyone's got a camera here, and there are these like lens. massive cameras. <laughs> it's just so ridiculous. Yeah, and they don't know what they're doing with them at all. It's like snap happening. Yeah, it's just a it's a trend here. They have lots of money and nothing to spend it on, so they get the most expensive camera out there to take a picture of their children doing the giving the two fingers two finger, yeah. piece. <laughs> so you see them out there with the with binoculars and cameras taking pictures. So I think, I mean, he asked in the question whether or not Chinese people are into outdoor activities. And yeah, they're I definitely so. into it. And yeah. a lot of the wealthier Chinese people, they do a lot of safaris, mm. um, not in China but abroad. Oh yeah, yeah, Tha- yeah. I've had people go like in Thailand and stuff. Mm-hmm. Some people I know. They're actually really nuts about that stuff. Yeah. And more so than in American day to day life, Chinese people I think spend. They have so. There's kind of a consistent pattern that Chinese lifestyle entails getting up in the morning going outside to do the morning exercises Mm -hmm. which consists of uh what i would consider an odd range of motion and walking about and then after lunch having a nap and then after dinner having a stroll yeah so everybody goes to the park and they do they do uh hikes up these little mountains and it becomes part of their routine. And on the weekends, Chinese people tend to do a lot of activities outdoors. Yeah, they do. More so than I think than in than in the U.S. Like people do big trips. I think in the U.S. Like you go on a road trip and you go to these national parks and do these big things. Yeah. But on the weekend, it's not as consistent to like plan every Saturday. Mm-hmm. Like I know families in China who every Saturday they climb the mountain. The same one? The same one. Oh. Lian Huashan. Oh my goodness. Yeah, every, every Saturday they <sighs> climb that mountain. And they're not alone. A lot of people do that. They go yeah, to, yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, like some of the neighboring mountains. And every weekend they climb the mountain and then they climb back down again. It's it's really part of their routine. Mm. Whereas I think in the U.S. we're more sporadic. <laughs> also because the climate is, you know, changes drastically from summer to winter. So you can't really have such consistent it'd be pretty cold climbing the mountain Mm. in january (laughs) i think though they are more um bothered about the weather so outdoor activities are more seasonal like they're more likely or less likely to go outside in the summer Mm. unless you've got an umbrella of course right it's too hot yeah but to be fair it is super hot hot, yeah yeah i mean every day it's like 90 what, what is it in Celsius? 30 something. Yeah. And humid. I'm loving it yeah. though. Even though it's hot. I mean, we're in the office all day. So yeah. I don't mind being here. On. <laughs> but the walk to work is hot. Yeah. 
But I do feel like I'm on vacation all the time. Being in this yeah. hot weather and just like seeing palm trees and like mango trees and you know, that kind of wildlife around. But being from the north a northern climate, this just triggers you know, having fresh fruit juice sold on the street everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm on vacation every day. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say something then as well. I went mm. Have you been to any of the, have you done any, um, like, animal safaris or zoos here? Yeah, I have been to, uh, have I been to Shenzhen Zoo? Yeah, maybe. Shenzhen Zoo? Yeah. Uh, it's, um, I don't know, I, I guess I have a bit of an issue with zoos in general, but this, the, the cages are kind of small and stuff, mm-hmm. but they have quite, they do have lots of, a lot of animals. Um, yeah, I don't know, yeah, I don't really know what to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, zoos, yeah, not in China, don't, I, from my understanding, they don't have a very good reputation. Mm-hmm. They, they, they maybe don't take so much care of animals yeah. as they should. Well, I think it comes with time. Yeah. There's a lot of, yeah, that's secondary to getting people clean water and uh, health care. Mm-hmm. Give them time. Give them a little yeah. bit of time. Yeah. I've gone to, so my first year in China, I was living in Chengdu. And actually, I was living not far from um, one of the, from the panda base. So that was really cool. That was a relatively large, um, I don't know, it, it, it's a zoo, but all they have is pandas. Okay. Pandas and peacocks. Oh, nice. Yeah. So well, that's a nice combination. Yeah. And the peacocks are just kind of wandering around. They're not... The pandas are in cages, although it's not like glass caging. Mm-hmm. It's like they they just have built these um, mounds with like a chasm okay. in between yeah. and like a small wooden fence. So you feel like they're close. right... Yeah, you feel like they're really close. I went there with my parents and they loved it. And they had two types of pandas. They had the typical black and white guy and then they had the um little i don't know i forget what the official name is but it's a red panda oh wow and it's small it's really small and it walks on four legs as opposed to sits on their bum sits, all day yeah yeah they're a little more active but maybe we can find the name and put them on the i think it's called a red panda it's just a red yeah panda. I can original <laughs> yep i could even maybe dig up some pictures of me at Ooh, the yeah. panda reserve we should do that yeah, I should do that. I'll do that. Yeah. It'll be good taking a trip down memory lane. It's been more than five years. Wow. So maybe it's time to revisit. Mm, I think so. <laughs> so they do have, they do, um, because a panda is such a symbol, oh, yeah. an important symbol in China. So they take special care in um, ensuring that the the zoos are, are really nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can even hold, you can hold a panda. Yeah. I can imagine that being quite nice. Did yeah. you? Did you do that? No, no. Yeah. Uh, the the six year old inside of me oh, would yeah. have loved to hold. I mean, I was nuts. I still am nuts about animals, but I was crazy for animals. I used to just like pray that I would find stray kittens and like. <laughs> <laughs> I love, like, I love animals. I really do. But as I've gotten older, I realize that... It's kind of harsh. Well, animals like that 
they are not pets. Yeah. They smell really bad. <laughs> yeah. And they're heavy and they're unpredictable and you can't really interact with them. So basically they'll just plop, plop them down plop on, on your you, yeah. lap. It'll feel uncomfortable. Mm. It'll smell bad and then it'll be yeah. done with and then you spend your money. But you've got a picture to take home and show all your friends. <laughs> Yeah, it's true. It's true. Maybe I missed my chance. <laughs> oh, I saw I on Jimmy Fallon. No, was it Jimmy? No, Conan O'Brien recently had a bunch of, uh, like, he had a little baby leopard on this show. And, like, yeah, and all these, like, wild doing? beasts. He was feeding it a bottle. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. So I guess it can be done. In the U.S. too, holding yeah. creatures. In Thailand, I um, I held a, I fed a baby, a baby leopard a bottle. Wow, which was fun. Mm -hmm. I could find some pictures of that. Yeah, that would be cool. That was fun. <laughs> so, uh, hunt. We've done hunting, fishing. Kind of mentioned bird watching, camping, camping. I don't think Chinese people would go camping because it's too dirty. Oh. I feel as though the like they like to go okay, they like to climb mountains and hike, and it's not I mean, I just feel like it's not really hiking because it's stairs. The, it's stairs or pavement, mm -hmm. like concrete, like there's no it's not difficult, and they go in their heels. That's why I don't <laughs> think it's hiking. Um, but it's the, it's not dirty, you're not getting your your, your hands dirty, and these places. You get like every like few meters, there's a place selling you a snack or some mm -hmm. juice or something. It's funny it's when you dirty, see them, you know? like Chinese people, especially older people who suddenly have money, all decked out in their like hiking gear. So they get like the most yeah. expensive <laughs> boots for like mountain climbing. Yeah, basically, like like going <laughs> to climb Mount Everest. They have these like boots and then the, like all this gear and like mm -hmm. backpacks and a walking stick and. Holly's right, like everywhere it's just concrete or stairs. Yeah. There's you don't even actually step on the dirt. Right. When you quote unquote hike. Hike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's really it's it's really quite different. I think they want I think they want to experience that mm. culture, but it just if if they let everybody hike around in China, I think a lot of the wildlife would just be totally destroyed. Yeah, probably. Yeah, everyone kind of stares on the path like the main path. Mm -hmm. Especially that Lianhua Shan that you mentioned earlier, like there's there's a one there's one big path that takes you to the top, and then obviously down again. But there are lots of small paths, but you rarely find people on them. Oh yeah, they're all everyone's trips, and up that one big one big road. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, Chinese people like to they're a collective society. They like to stick together. Oh, yeah. That's what I would have said. That so you said they don't like to camp because it's dirty. Uh, yeah, I could definitely see that too. And I would have said also um, that it's so. Lonely. lonely yeah but you could go as a family like but it's still like they would want to round up like three or four families but you could do that that would be fun yeah it would be fun it would be fun but i, I just think like they, they don't really like roughing it yeah too much yeah and i think i mean if you well if you've i guess if you're gonna go camping although i feel like camping is one of those things that anyone can do like even if you don't have too much money but i feel like the people that are gonna do it because it's probably cool <laughs> um, the kids, I imagine the kids just come like mourn all the time because they don't have an iPad or something like that. <laughs> I feel like it's too late. The camping has got like, unless they can make it super like modern and cool. 
But in Hong Kong, I guess there are some really terrific mm, spots true. for camping. Because yeah. Hong Kong actually, I think it's hundreds of islands. I think I've heard hundreds. I'll have mm. to check that out. But Hong Kong has many, many islands. Yeah. A lot of them are remote and not, and they're non, they're not populated at all. Mm-hmm. So you can go there and camp. That would be nice. And I've heard it's really fantastic. Yeah. So, so that's that's different. So maybe maybe some parts of China will follow follow that. Yeah, I've never I've never met anyone here who said, "Oh yeah, I'm going camping this weekend." Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> Was there anything else on there? That we um, discuss? No, I think we've we've touched on each of the points. But I do, I think in general Ch- Chinese people do like being outside and doing like outdoorsy kind of activities mm-hmm. in fact i think they'll really look forward to it yeah like the ty- a few times i've been to the beach here when they get to the beach it's like they have never seen the sea before it's like it's <laughs> so pure exciting. excitement mm-hmm. like children mm-hmm. almost and i think it's quite it's quite sweet actually mm-hmm. but they do really enjoy like and they'll always play games you get them outside there's mm-hmm. always some Oh, Team yeah, they building, like those, like, planned activities. Planned, yeah, arranged fun. Like, three-legged races yeah. and volleyball and, and stuff uh, like that. what's it called? Uh, tug of war? Tug of war, They yeah. love that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you have to consider, so, during the, like, the Mao days, I guess, free time was not encouraged. Mm-hmm. People were encouraged just to work. So, I think at this point, Chinese people just aren't really, they're not used to having free time, yeah. or at least... Even the young people, their parents are not used to having free time. And so it's kind of an odd concept. So I think they're kind of figuring out what to do with themselves. Yeah. Because it's very structured. Like all their free time activities, obviously we speak in generalities, but for the most part, they're so structured. Mm -hmm. Like you go to the mountain at, you know, you leave exactly (laughs) the, the, you have it. Right at 7 o'clock in the morning, you set out on a Saturday morning, mm-hmm. you go climb the mountain, then you have lunch at this one specific spot, and then you come back. Yeah. Because there's always an explanation for all these things. Because it's the sun will be too high, and yeah. we don't want to be outside. And it's just very, very structured. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. The concept of just kind of like <laughs> hanging out and Winging doing it. whatever. Yeah, it <laughs> just, doesn't exist. No, it doesn't really doesn't exist no. here. At least not on a mess. Yeah, but I believe that's something that will change. But yeah. also too with their education system, the children don't grow up with free time at all. No, it's so rigorous, and yeah. they they're just studying. And after school, they're studying, and they have such little time. To, even kinder, so even starting right at kindergarten, a lot of times it's so kindergarten lasts all day. They go to school all day. It's extreme. Yeah, and then in the afternoon they have additional lessons. Yeah. To make sure that they are the top students so that they can get into a good primary school yeah. and then the whole the rat race continues. Yeah. So even children, they don't really have, I mean, they have some field trips at school, but in general, they, they're not used to having free mm-hmm. time on a regular basis. Yeah. And these kids are like, some of like three and four year old, and they're mm-hmm. not, I mean, some of them are like more relaxed classes like dancing and I know the kindergarten I was at there was dancing and sports Mm -hmm. activities but there were also quite some of them were quite like mentally strenuous as well like they were teaching them how to play chess and Mm -hmm. other ping pong is also 
Oh yeah, I uh, uh, the kindergarten they didn't do that, but places and middle school. Duffy was playing ping pong. Oh, yeah. One of the students at the kindergarten, and it's pretty. I mean, they I think they do it to like help them mm-hmm. hand eye coordination and mental skills. Yes, yeah. for sure. Yeah. So it's. Feel like every all those activities are done with a specific purpose in mind. It's Absolutely. never just to have fun. Yeah, no, no, I don't think so either. Mm-hmm. It's just so competitive. They don't have that same kind of freedom. It's just such a shame. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what is our Chinese word? Oh, so our Chinese word is trout. Uh, let's see. <laughs> this is winging it, it is ladies winging and gentlemen. It. We're winging it for sure. <laughs> Definitely winging it. So um, let's do. Did we have activity before? Maybe we did. Um, activity. We can do activity. Yeah. So activity is good. The word activity is good because it's very versatile. versatile yeah. Good one, Holly. So it can be applied yes. to. Um, <laughs> Uh, any of these things, hunting, fishing, or school activities, or mm-hmm. work activities. So the word for activity is dongzuo. So dongzuo literally means moving, moving work. Dongzuo, mm-hmm. which means an activity in which you're moving. Cool. Okay. So we'll put the link to, to that vocabulary word in the show notes. We will. Let's go to the written Chinese dictionary. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, if any of you have a question for us, you can leave us a voicemail message at written Chinese slash voicemail. You can go to our Facebook pages, Written Chinese or Two White Chicks, and you can just write us a message there. You can either send us, leave it on the wall or as a private message. People do both. Mm-hmm. Um, you can leave us a question on WeChat if you're on there. Mm-hmm. Uh where else even on the show notes you can just leave us a comment we i i do a good hunt actually nora and i both do a good hunt round for comments because we like it we like it <laughs> <laughs> it makes us happy it does so we'll find your question wherever you leave it <laughs> yeah so thanks everybody for listening and yeah. thanks to writtenchinese.com for sponsoring our mm. podcast and thanks mike for your question mm-hmm So we'll see you guys next week. Yep, tune in next week. Bye. Bye.